Hey guys, Adam here. Just a heads up, this episode of the 4 or 5 Film Podcast is a little touch echoey. It was recorded in a really shit room. Sorry about that. Enjoy, it's still great film content, and we'll be back in the normal room tomorrow. Not tomorrow. What? No, next week. Who the hell am I? Welcome to the 405 Film Podcast with Katie Dayton and Adam Libinati Roach. Welcome to the 405 Film Podcast, and that's right, that's not Sean's name you hear in the intro, but that is Sean's voice recording it, potentially, if she's done it in time. So what the fuck is even going on here? Who even is Katie Dayton? I'd like to start by apologising that I don't have a sexy voice like Sean. I have your average... Can you try her voice? I just really like that film. It just did something to me. I don't know what it was, but... I really was affected by it. That's actually really good. It's like she's just appeared in the room and like flown over from Sundance Festival where she's, you know, sunning around and you'll hear more about Sundance Festival on the podcast next week. Anyway, who are you, Katie Dayton? Why are you even here? Um, I'm here because I'm your friend. Oh, isn't that cute? I like films and uh, we happen to work together. Isn't that true? Yeah, but I am, yeah, we work together at the drum. I do video there. Too much video. Too much video. Um, I also, what else do I do? You've got a, you play instrument in a jazz band. I have, I'm a jazz clarinetist. You're a jazz clarinetist. Analogue photographer. Analogue photographer, mm-hmm. that sounds like something, you're like a dream weaver. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a Garth Marenghi thing. I'm an analogue photographer and I'm a dream weaver. And I did it before it was cool, I think. What, um, which one? Photography or? Well, I mean, I don't think jazz clarinet has ever been cool, so... No, jazz clarinet's really cool. Anyway, you've explained who you are, but we need to know what films you enjoy. So that's a quick introduction with our good friend, Kurt Dutton, who you may have seen on viral videos about Burger King rebranding themselves <laughs> to Burger Queen and recently <laughs> taking dogs on a tour bus around London. But Katie, what is your favourite film? What, what, you know, you can't just swan your way here and in onto the 405 Film Podcast with Picture House Central. Plug, there you go, guys. What's your favourite film? Mm, well, okay, so... You discussed this on the tube, you said you've got a fake one, which you're going to say you've actually got a real one. I've got... The film I say to people that is my favourite film is American Beauty. The 90s classic. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't know, when I, when I first watched it, I was about 15, and I like, really genuinely did something to my brain about What the, did it do to your brain? Well, you know, it, I was very much considering myself to be in that suburbia life. And, and I, what, at the age of 15? Yeah, and uh, I thought maybe, you know, I what could give up fence? my job and, and divorce my wife and, um, you know, be happy in life, but... At 15? No, and I didn't get murdered at the end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. That silence there is me just not remembering anything about American Beauty. Mm. 
anything at all. Maybe it deserves a rewatch. Um, but no, so that is technically my favourite film. It's like um, the favourite film you say in uh, educational circles. You know, when people there are quite educated for one. Mm. Oh, Katie, tell me what your favourite film is. And you go, Art Shamal Kambiwe. Yeah. And um, when I meet someone new. However, I think all of my friends will know my real, actual favourite film is the 2003 Lindsay Lohan classic, Mean Girls. Um, I, I think I could recite the entire script. Okay. Um, if you say, you shouldn't have said that. No, I shouldn't. Could you recite part of Mean Girls in the voice of the characters who are playing it? Is that possible? I've got, I've got like a few more minutes to fill before we jump into our first feature. Is it possible for you to do Mean Girls off by heart? Or are you just throwing that out okay, there? Okay, okay. I'm Katie Heron, and until today, I was homeschooled. I know what you're thinking. Homeschooled kids are freaks. Is that it? That's so much of it you know. And then she says something about, or well, weirdly religious or something. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm pretty impressed that you went with that bit. It's not even a known part. It's actually the star of the film. I, I, do, I couldn't even remember her name. I just call her Lindsay Lohan in the film. I just forget what her actual name is. And you call yourself a Mean Girls fan. Exactly. I'm not really a Mean Girls fan, but if you were, there are some Mean Girls screenings happening pretty soon. It's called a bitch along. Mm -hmm. I, I think we were going to go one time, and we never did, so it's overdue. Never did. My housemate Lawrence has never seen Mean Girls, and to me that's a travesty. It's actually horrific. It's yeah. a travesty or it's a gift? I think it's more of a travesty. Well, if I, when, it's when you hear someone hasn't watched you know, your favourite show of all time, or your favourite film of all time, or your favourite album, and you think, and I just think, wow, how amazing it would be to have that to look forward to in your life. I also frown at them. It's this frown that people give when you say you haven't seen something. It's like, what? So what, what is the film that you haven't seen that everyone assumes you've seen? Um, I don't know, actually. It was Whiplash until recently. Okay. Which actually really helps us bring us into our first feature. Mm-hmm. So... It's a film that's on everybody's lips at the moment. Yes, whatever. It got 14 Oscar nominations, which we'll come to in a, in a later part of the podcast, because yes, we'll be discussing Oscars and snubs. So is La La Land the film that movie fans want it to be? It's been hyped since London Film Festival in October by our very own Sean Melton. Hi. But is it loved by everyone I know? Katie, you have the intro with some beautiful backing from me. So obviously you like it. I... I can't tell you how much I loved it, and to the point where, you know, when you before you go see a film and, and it's been hyped as much as La La Land has, like, I just thought I was going to be in for a massive disappointment. And um, as someone who I've grown up on musicals, um, and when I say grown up, I mean like even when I was 15, 16, and everyone was going to rock shows, I, me and my friends were still at home watching West Side Story. It's something that I wasn't like I was introduced to Sound of Music at 10 and Disney mm. and then I left it and I came back to it. It has always been with me. So for me, La La Land was just like an absolute joy. And How was it a joy? Was it the music? Was it the feeling? Because you'll come to, mm. you'll come to me in a bit because I'm, uh, I've annoyed a few people because I, I don't know, sort of liked it, which I think people heard in our last podcast. I started to murmur that I liked it, but there was something still nagging at me, but that nag is still there. What, what really appealed to you, apart from the opening two musical numbers? I think, okay, I think you can enjoy it on two levels. I think you can enjoy it in the sense of people that say, I don't like musicals 
but I really like La La Land because I don't know Ryan Gosling was like hilarious in it and it was he wore some good suits or Emma Stone you know was a bit of a different sort of actress to play in that role um, and it you know it's it's an easy watch at the end of the day. It's nothing too strenuous about it. It is an easy watch. But then for me, I oh, this is gonna sound maybe sounds like such a twat, but Go for it. I, I I liked it because it gave me a sense of being in a club because there were so many little pastiches and scenes that I went, oh that's a homage to that musical and that musical and it was like um American in Paris with the yellow dress and it was funny face um, with the scene where they go to Paris and they let the balloons go over the Arc de Triomphe and it was um, I can't remember the name of it but that Woody Allen musical where they fly yes. like that that scene to me I was just everyone else in the cinema just sort of groaned was when this they, the epilogue? No, no, so the scene where they fly was in the uh, planetarium. The planetarium. Yeah. That's, okay, so what you're point, pointing out there is like, I love musicals, but not to your level. I didn't know that there were various homages to other musicals throughout it. Mm. Yeah, it, gave me, it gave me sort of like a sense of, I felt it was quite a knowing film in that way. Knowing as in it knew the era that it was trying yeah. to replicate. Okay. But knowing as, if, as in like, you know, you'll get this, we'll put this in. And if you get it, you get it. So when they started flying, um, I went to see the film with, with our friend Jess and she just groaned and she just went, oh, for God's sake, that's ridiculous. Whereas I was laughing because I knew what they were trying to do. Yeah. I, they, were just, they were trying to do that Woody Allen film. So um, yeah, that, 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 that was my takeaway. And I cried so much to the, you know, when you, the lights are coming up and you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, I know. Ever thinking about crying at the end of films mm -hmm. in public spaces? It's very bad. Yeah. It's but, like just in, just enjoying the crying. And but I mean, I will say one thing. I don't think it's fourteen Oscars worthy. Okay, that's that's a very good point. I don't think it is either. Um, and we were discussing this earlier. Um, La La Land is a film that's basically it loves like it just it's nostalgic. And there hasn't been a film like it in a very long time. And you were mentioning all the musicals earlier, like the Woody Allen musical, for example. There hasn't been a film that's shown Hollywood in that light. And when I was talking about it, when I was talking about it before, it's, and I wasn't sure what I enjoyed about it. What I enjoyed about it is that it is actually anti-Hollywood. It's the strangest thing. Like if you look deeper into it, it's like all these dreams of moving to Hollywood and being successful and being a film star. But at the end of the time, you're sacrificing a lot. Mm. So, and that's what I enjoy the most about it. So it's like the fact that it's got 14 Oscars for a film that's about, how do I put it? I keep, I've said it numerous times, it's a film that's surrounded by dreams but entrenched in reality. Yes. And I think because they weren't afraid to put in little jokes about everyone owning a Prius or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Like, they, it was still grounded in modern reality. It's just like, you, what, what everybody wanted it to be when they're watching, it's like, they will get together, they will be happy, and they will be perfectly on it for the rest of their lives. But what it noted is that life is full of small moments, and these small moments can actually create different waypoints for you as you travel your way through this world that has no climate change, Donald. And you just, you, you just, you make your own way through it. 
instead of it just being like they get each other, they live happily ever after. And here's the thing, La La Land has been pitched as being that film. Every trailer, everything you see is of pure joy. You have no idea that there's the second half of that film. So if you like, if you're yeah. listening to this for the first time, you haven't seen the film, and I apologise, but we presume that you would have seen it by now. It's been out for a few weeks. But if you haven't, if you have seen it, you can agree with me that every bit of publicity before it, like, oh, the chemistry between Gosling and Stone is electrifying. Like, oh, this means they must... Oof, they're electrifying all the way through and their partnership is incredible. But actually, it's... It's very... real. It's very sad. I've, uh, someone compared it to... And, and this wasn't meant to be a compliment because they hated it. Um, oh. But they compared it to 500 Days of Summer been a while since I've seen that Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, dream film. Well, I love 500 Days of Summer, but it's the same. It's, it's, it's realistic. Five, yeah, for, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's set in this world of Hollywood where they're singing and dancing on freeways. Mm. And so you, you go into it, and I felt this heart, like through the film, I was expecting oh, massive dancing numbers. Halfway through the film, they die. There are no more dancing, singing like thrown around numbers, they are gone. Mm. And if you didn't expect that from a film, like, you would be shocked. I think that's kind of what helps it. You go from, as an audience participant, you go from this massive buzz, from like, ah, oh, on a freeway, which by the way, they actually closed down. I didn't, nice. I didn't understand they did that, like, Damon Chazelle actually closed down did that they, freeway. Did they actually shoot it in yeah. one shot? Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't know, you can't ask me that. I was like, yes, of course they did. Like... Freedom by George Michael. <laughs> I don't know, like, probably. Um, they probably did quite a few rehearsals for it. Um, but, like, I've lost my track of thought. Where's it going? Um, the, music's, the music died. Yeah, the music died. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, everything we're talking about doesn't mean it should get 14 Oscar nominations. It's a good film, but it shouldn't have swept the board so much. No. In the same way that I think, looking back, could you said Titanic didn't deserve to win as many? Oh man, Titanic was Titanic was a film of its time. It was a time when nothing like that had ever been done before. And it kind of might be why La La Land has also got it as well because it hasn't been done for a while. True. It hasn't. It hasn't been a like a musical feel good movie that feel all right movie, I guess. That Hollywood hasn't produced. Weirdly enough, I keep hearing a fact, I don't know if we said it before. Um, this film, Damon Chazelle wanted to make before Whiplash, and he was told it was impossible. He was told Hollywood wouldn't want it, and there's no point in like, pursuing it. Instead, out of frustration, he went and wrote Whiplash. Which was an outstanding film. Which is an outstanding film, and started to show his love of jazz. Somebody said to me the other day, like, oh, I didn't like La La Land. I was like, oh, why? He's like, he just keeps pushing that fucking love of jazz. Like, well, yeah, he's, he can't really do a jazz trilogy now, can he? Unless he does an action film about jazz. I I'm, mean, I'm all in for an action film about jazz. What's, what's wrong with that? I, I think, you know, you're the fucking director. You put what you love in there. And yeah, people will go see it, clearly. People will go see it, but I don't think it's... Back to Oscars, I don't think it's going to win all 14. I don't um, know. Okay, so I, I thought maybe no, and then... Judging by the Golden Globes, I think it's yeah. going to win a good number of them. Think it'll win around half? Maybe more. I'm going to say nine. 
Okay, I'll hold you to that. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be about to talk about the Oscars and mainly what the fuck was going on by snubbing Amy Adams. Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. Do you see this writing? Do you know what it means? Hospitality. And you can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it! So you're enjoying yourself, Katie, are you? Yeah, very much so. Thank you for having me. Oh, isn't that nice? That's not in the script. She actually said that from the heart. What a fucking surprise. You know then, me. Like you then squint smile. I'd be like, <laughs> Like your mum used to do when she was like, oh, so why are you home late? And then you lied and she goes, me. It's like, where have um, you been? Oh, I, I, just, I, just, I, I just hung out at a, a shopping centre instead of what you really did. She was hanging out in the park, drinking vodka straight. Mm, strong bow for me. Still is strong both Still is strong both, I was going to say, you've never dropped those uh, grassy roots. Anyway, we're back here uh, for the 4 or 5 film podcast with Picture House Central. Um, quick plug before we actually talk about the Oscars. This Monday, we are putting on Central Docs Club with a showing of Camera Person. Now, if you want to know more about it, I've written a whole preview of it because I watched it the other day. And it's a film like no other. It's... Kirsten, it's like it's Kirsten Johnson. Is it Kirsten Johnson? I can't remember, but it's. Let me just check that. Let me just check that. Uh, padding, 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 padding. Kirsten, Kirsten. Um, more about Central Docs Club. Um, can't seem to find it. I, I really like the Central Docs Club. I've seen a few times. Padding. It, um, you know, it's, it's you know, it puts documentaries in front of me that I might not have. Of which would be like camera person which is by Kirsten Johnson which I did get for the first time there I got it right um, which is her memoirs of being a documentarian of a camera woman like over her whole career you should come and see this it's Monday the 30th of January it's at 6 30 tickets are five pound if you're a member at Picture House Central if not that's around like eight quid um, and we'll be hosting a Q&A afterwards anyway can I just I, say I got that one wrong what how fab to have not only a camera woman represented anywhere, yeah. but to have a whole film about it. She made it herself, and it's amazing. It's it's like it's um, one of the things I wrote about it in my review. It is it's just like it's it's the film equivalent of spending a day at the Tate Modern and taking your own conclusions from the art on display. It's hard to watch because there's no narrative. You just it's just clips. And you take your own conclusions from mm. everything. So, yeah, join Katie, because I'll drag her along. She probably won't come. Uh, on January the 30th, checks her diary, which is a Monday. Oh, and um, enjoy Camera Person. Anyway, Oscars. As we said, La La Land is up for 14 awards, which is just stupid. But what we need to be focusing on here is what was missed out. Or more importantly, who? I think there is one name that everyone is talking about. Go on then, is that, is, is that one name uh, Martin Scorsese for Silence? No. Oh. Amy Adams, what the fuck? Like, actually, what the fuck? You know, I was listening, you know, earlier in the year about um, someone saying, oh, it's going to be so difficult because she's going to be nominated for both Nocturnal Animals and Arrival, which will halve her chances. She hasn't even got a single chance. You're dividing by zero. There is no chance. Is that, that's some really good mathematics there. Thank you. Could you give us some more mathematics there? <laughs> Divided by zero. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute... It just it's doesn't make any sense. 
consider it's not like the whole film's been snubbed. No. It's in there for best cinematography, best picture, best music, um, sound mixing, I believe, as well, and and music score. I think yeah. um, it's got quite a few nominations. She's in every scene. She makes the entire film. I'm really glad Jeremy Renner didn't get nominated because that would have been absolutely. Uh, that would have caused problems. That took me a very long time to realise that that was Jeremy Renner. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I always call him his name. I always call him wrong anyway. I call him Remner, but it's mm. actually... Okay, it wasn't best score. Um, it's actually best sound editing, best sound mixing, best production design, which it deserves 100%. Um, and as does Hail Caesar, because the production design in Hail Caesar is great. I mean, it's not going to surprise you that I loved Hail Caesar too. Uh, I hated Hail Caesar. Um, I... Uh, uh, best adapted screenplay is Arrival. It's gonna, it's gonna get something, but it's just like best actress. Isabel Hubbard for Elle, Ruth Negger for Loving, Emily, Emma Stone for La La Land, Natalie Portman for Jackie and Meryl Streep. Sean like, <laughs> Sean messaged me. He's like, Meryl Streep doesn't need any more nominations. No. She's no. sorry, Meryl. You've had like, you've had your fun. You don't need to do this anymore. Just let it go. Yes. I have I have to, I haven't seen Loving or Elle, um, and I've also haven't seen Hidden Figures. But surely the lead in that should have got something for Best Actress too. Yeah, it's 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 uh, there's a problem still within the Academy. Yeah, they're trying to be more diverse and whatever, but they're just that's, it still doesn't work. It's not it's like the fact that Amy Adams was snubbed for this is a big deal. Like Arrival is nominated for Best Film. Yeah, mm. she is the central driving point of that whole film. She, she acts it out of the park, regardless of sound, regardless of production design. She acts that film perfectly, and the fact she's not up for it is just fucking frustrating. I was thinking today. I mean, you've tilted your head to one side. There's a big thought <laughs> coming, guys. Big thoughts. What is it? about her performance in that film that is so good. And, and you know, it's not, it is not like there was one hard-hitting scene that was just incredibly acted. She was, I think what it was, was it was such a natural performance. And, and she wasn't playing a character that was that um, extraordinary either. That's probably it, isn't it? It's just, she was, she was perfect in the role of somebody suffering incredible grief that nobody will ever experience. Like, knowing your future, mm. and knowing everything. Like, I'm not going to go anywhere closer to what, like, revealing what the story is, but it, it's her performance in it is perfection. And, like, to the kick in the teeth, it's a Suicide Squad got nominated for an Oscar. And although that's the best makeup and hairstyling, it's like, come on now. It's like... I mean, if you'd fucked up the makeup and hairstyling on Suicide Squad, you shouldn't really have a job. It was giving it to you on the plate. <laughs> It. Anyway, and like if Passengers is up for best score, it's like, come on now. Like, these are two shit films and they're up for Oscars in some form. And it just makes a snub even worse. What I can agree with. Okay, yeah, what what are the I can agree with agree? Life Animated being up for best documentary. What I can't agree with in that is that Wiener's not up for best documentary because as if you listen to any of these previous ones. I pushed Wiener harder than anyone else, and I was trying to take that to a better mm-hmm. section in innuendo than it was. But Wiener is a brilliant documentary about Anthony Wiener getting his dick out on Twitter constantly, and 
it's it's fantastic. I can't believe it's not up for it. I, I London Film Festival last year, I summed up no Sundance Film Festival. I was like, this is going to be up for a documentary award. This will win. It's not. No tickled in there either. No tickled. Uh, and like best picture, let's discuss it. So best picture we have Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge. You know, it looks like the Academy of Fine and Mel Gibson. Hello, mm. High Water, which I think I wrote is, oh, I put it as something funny. Oh, hello, hello. Oh, no. Didn't work there, did it? No, um, um, I can't even recall what Hello, High Water is about. It's a Western. Ah, oh, Jeff Chris Bridges. Chris Pine in and Jeff Bridges. Right. Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Okay. Right, Arrival, what? obviously we like. Which do you think is going to win? Katie Dayton, put it on the line and then you can potentially join us on the 26th of February with Hoxton Movies as they put on the Oscars live. Um, I think La La Land's going to win. <sighs> Why? Because, I mean, everyone knows the Oscars are very, very predictable in some senses. Not, yeah. in, not their nominations, but in the winners. So I think it's a pretty dead cert for me. What about you? I think it will be La La Land, um, but I want it to be Hidden Figures or Arrival. Okay. I think it would be fantastic if it is Hidden Figures. Like a film that outdid Rogue One at the box office. Um, it's, it's a film that's three black ladies, just not in a stupid role. It's such an important film, but it's also, as you said earlier, it's like, Will there be a film that's up for an Oscar, that's up for an Academy Award, that isn't African-American based on a true story? Mm-hmm. I think it's a very good point to make, and I'd like to see that come forward. I don't know if Moonlight is, but it might be. Yeah, I take, I'm just thinking of, of the films that have been applauded in the last few years that have, well, by the Oscars or by any other Academy. And I'm thinking 12 Years a Slave, um, Selma from yeah. last year. Now Hidden Figures, and it's great, completely great, but I'd really like to see an original story with a predominantly black cast. Yeah. And maybe I'm being quite naive, but I, I don't think I've seen one. Hamilton. If they turn Hamilton into a film, then we'll get it. Of course it. they're going to turn that into okay. a film. Um, another thing that was missed out was that your name wasn't up for uh, Best Foreign Film, which is absolutely ridiculous, because that's one of the best animated foreign films of the past 12 months, and Deadpool was snubbed. Big time. Um, do you think that was uh, in response to Ryan Reynolds' campaign? What was Ryan Reynolds' campaign? He has been going on about it for quite some time, trying to get Deadpool up for an Oscar, and it didn't seem to have worked. That that really sounds like something they'd do. It's like, fuck you, Ryan. Uh, well, oh, I think he was, you know, openly taking the piss, and that hasn't worked out for him. But I really don't <laughs> think he cares somehow either. No, I don't think he does either. He'll be fine. Um, so yeah, there are Oscar discussions, and as I said, on the 26th of February, which is when said Oscars are on, there is a party occurring, and if you want more details, go follow, follow at Hoxton Movies, and they'll tell you more about it. Ain't that nice? Anyway, what? Do you stay up? I will be this time. That's a bit of a personal question, but yes, I will be staying up to watch the Oscars this time. Wow. And it looks like... Is that Jeff's ready to leave? No? Yes. Right, Oscars moving swiftly on to 
a Netflix recommendation, which for once we haven't done. Because we have a lot of writers here at the 405, so I thought it best that we start getting them on the show. We, we got Katie on. And I, I don't write. Well, currently, but I'll find a force way to find a way to force you to do so. Oh my god. Wow, force me. It's like this is the worst script ever because in brackets we've now got bantering and then under after that we've got conversation. And it's like, what, you, what is conversation? <laughs> um, so writers, we, we have a lot of writers surrounding us right now. Even if one's about to leave. Um, so we have Anna Alexandra giving us reasons why we should stop skipping past Under the Skin on Netflix and commit to watching it. Have you skipped past it? I've never heard of it, so I guess you could say I have skipped past it. Okay, so here's Alexandra telling you why you should listen. Listen. Why you should watch Under the Skin on Netflix now. My Netflix recommendation is Under the Skin, a 2014 film written and directed by Jonathan Glazer. Starring Scarlett Johansson in what I consider to be her finest role yet, Under the Skin follows a seductive unnamed woman on her journey to self-discovery, which on the way includes stops to send lonely men to the abyss where they will meet their demise. Based on the novel of the same name by Michelle Farber, Under the Skin is a story that will leave you with both a curiosity and a hatred for the ways of humanity. The film gives us the bare bones of the novel, so much so that only one character is named, and presents its ideas in a much more abstract form. Our protagonist is an alien who in her human form drives around Scotland and picks up hitchhikers, seduces them and murders them in one of the most horrifically claustrophobic ways ever committed to film. Fun fact, many of the men ScarJo picks up in her van are regular members of the public, unaware that they're getting a lift from the highest paid actress in Hollywood. With the help of a dark wig and some hidden cameras, half these guys were none the wiser that they were about to be the prey for a man-eating alien. Written and directed by Jonathan Glazer, who I consider to be one of Britain's finest talents, Under the Skin is a testimony to film as an art form. Also taking the helm on Sexy Beast, Birth, countless Radiohead videos and that one Guinness advert, Glazer has proven to be a force in the creation of stunning imagery. Side note, as a young kid, I was terrified of the White Horse's Guinness advert. I would run out of the room crying every time it came on TV. So you can imagine my shock when I discovered it was the work of a director whose projects I'm deeply inspired by. This seems to be one of those films that people add to their Netflix watch list, but never actually get around to seeing. And honestly, you're missing out. Under the Skin is one of my top 10 films, and believe me, I'm super fussy and difficult to impress. The main thing that struck me about the film was the sense of impending doom you're made to feel when watching it, thanks to the mind-bending soundtrack by Micah Levy and the unrelenting visuals. This is an intense film, much like something by Lars von Trier, and contains one of the most emotionally distressing scenes I think I've ever seen. I know that impending doom isn't much of a great sell, but I promise you it's worth it, even if you do have to pause it a few times to go and make a cup of tea. The first sequence alone is beautiful, packed full of symbolism and imagery that will stick in your mind for days. And the final sequence? Well, I can see that becoming an iconic piece of cinema. And if all of its visual beauty and thought-provoking themes aren't enough for you, at least you get to see ScarJo's Lady Garden. So will you be watching Under the Skin now after that? Yeah, I'll definitely give it a go. And it's like, according to Peter Bradstreet at The Garden, he calls it very erotic and very scary, which I'm completely down for. Um, I don't like the sound of the scary part. The erotic thing is fine. 
And I'm also getting more into my science fiction the older I get. I think I used to snub that. How old are you now? I'm 24. Oh, so such a shame. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Katie Dayton, for joining me for this ridiculously different version, but still the same, of the 4 or 5 Film Podcast. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed it, maybe you could do this on a semi-regular basis instead of me. Just do it with Sean. <sighs> me and Sean would make a great team. Yeah, so you hear that, Sean Mellon. If you listen to this whilst you're still in America, in Utah, in Salt Lake City, you might have a new person to do this with. I have been Adam Livinati Roach. You can find me on the internet at Bacon Chin. And you are? And I'm Katie Dayton, and you can find me at Dolly Dayton. And you can also find out that Katie loves to create trending and viral tweets, and she's very proud of it. She's got one at the moment, don't you? Yeah, it's gone surpass the 1,000 likes mark so far. Which 1,000? Yeah. Has it actually? It actually has. Okay, go follow at Dolly, Del- Dolly Dayton on Twitter, and just go like her tweet. We'll put it in the write-up as well, and we'll also have a special video for you to put up as well, to look at. Put it up, we'll put it up, you can look at it. For now... Have a great day, morning, evening, commute, time in the bath, gym session, cooking food, and caring about the world. That was the 4 or 5 Film Podcast with Katie Dayton and Adam Livinati Roach. If you got this far, thank you for listening all the way through. And apologies for that echo that was all the way throughout. It was awful. It won't happen again. I'm a terrific guy. As always, this podcast was produced by Oliver Primus. Not Sean this time. She's at Sundance, isn't she? This week's podcast was edited by Adam Libanati Roach, which is me. Thank you to Picture House Central for continually partnering with us and letting us work with them on their Central Docs Club. Come along on January the 30th. We'll be back next week with a Sundance podcast special. 